Welcome back to the Process Podcast. My name is Paul Shirley. I am joined again by Katie Levesay, who has a PhD in neuropsychology. <laughs> Does that so make they you say. go? So they, you're like, maybe it's still valid. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, how's your uh, how's your week been? Scale of one to twenty seven, Katie. And the outcome measure is what productivity, know, just ben. joyfulness, how's it, yeah, just like Zen moments, just like overall uh, appraisal. Fourteen. Fourteen out of twenty seven, right there. Oh, twenty seven. Yeah. No. <laughs> we got to get twenty two. Twenty two yeah. out of twenty seven. All right, that's pretty good. I think so. Yeah. And you? I'm at a. It's been about a. 20? Yeah, it's been a good week. Okay. Yeah. 20 out of 27, that's like 67% of the way. I'm so glad you did that math. I was a guy <laughs> on something. mine. And, and, no, and more than that. 70% of the way. Whatever. What? Uh, so we're going to oh, talk- Weren't you uh, an engineer? Yeah. Isn't forgot. math kind I mean, of like, important It's like for your that. neuropsychology. Does it really <laughs> count at this point? <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> um, we're going to get into some wins and losses from us. We're going to talk uh, wins and losses from some of the Process Online members. We got a question to answer. Yes. We got some uh, reportage to do on some streaks by our members. What, uh, though, what do you have in terms of wins or losses or both? I have a loss. Okay. So I have I have really gotten my schedule wired tight, as oh. John likes to say, mm-hmm. is your shit wired tight all yeah. the time. And it has been wired tight. Mm-hmm. However... There have been two or three times in the last week where I had either a client cancel at the last minute or a meeting cancel. So I had a chunk of time that I hadn't counted on. I could not get my shit together. Why am I cursing so much today? But I couldn't get it together to utilize that unscheduled, uncounted time. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was that it's almost that flexibility piece. I knew mm. what I had to do, mm-hmm. but because I've gotten so used to, I think that routine and that scheduling and my very specific time frame for mm-hmm. when I know to get things done, it was like, oh my gosh! And there was almost this again this rebellion. I think that came up for me before of mm. my body and my brain. <laughs> it's vacation. So, so what did Let's, you do in that time? At the end of it. It's a really good question. I was trying to account for that. I, mm. d- I read. I read for enjoyment. I, this does not seem <laughs> <laughs> catastrophic. It's not, it is, however, when you when I look at what I still have to do, like that time for me felt like a really good opportunity to get caught up in some areas, to mm-hmm. do some things that I've been putting on the back burner for a while because I haven't had that extra chunk of time. And then it was like, boom, it's my time at the plate. <laughs> I just, well, just it's, sat there. It was your time at the plate, but it was also the game got rained out, right? Kind of. Um, I I, I totally relate to what you're saying because I often feel that sense of, I I think this is the two sides of the scheduling coin, right? Like it it is the, the downside is, but you know, I talk to people about this all the time. I had a, somebody the other day was like trying, he's trying to write something. (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) And, uh, and I was kind of counseling him on it and he, he said, well, I asked him, like, what's a regular amount that you could do of time, right? And he's like, well, what about like three hours a day for five days a week? I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, you're going to go from zero 
to that. How about 30 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Or 40 minutes or something like that. So then we, we were emailing back and forth and he said, and if you're listening person, I'm sorry to be <laughs> putting this forth, but that's how it is. Um, <laughs> he said, okay, but so if I get into a flow state, I keep going. Right. And I'm like, oh, ah, yes. that's the age old thing. Mine. Yes. But I think this comes back to that where you had built into your day, like these are the times when I will be in this state of mind. And, and that's a good thing that is effective. And then it was taken away. I, I don't know that it's, it just feels like too much to ask that then you would also be able to like, be able to switch gears, you know? Sure. Maybe once, but if I had, mm. I mean, this happened three times. Yeah. And so at some point we should be able to, oh, there's that word, should, yeah, should. but we, it would be nice to be able to take advantage of some extra time you weren't counting mm-hmm. on. Again, when all of us have this, there's always this reserve in our to-do list, things <laughs> right. we're going to get through during the week and then mm-hmm. that, you, that we carry forward every week, right? I have a little space on my planner of those things that I carry forward every week. And I thought, oh my gosh, how, how amazing. And there's just something psychologically, I think about a, having that time you're, you're particularly because it, for me, it was clients. So I get into this mindset of that's the work I'm going to be doing. And if it's a last minute cancellation, it's, oh, where can I switch my cognitive capacity? Mm-hmm. And it just felt like this time that I had that I wanted to work. It wasn't even that I didn't want to, but mm-hmm. I just couldn't get the gears working. And fine, one day I kind of take a break and I read and I veg out, but then it happened two to three times. So then it starts running on me. Okay, what's going on? Am I having trouble shifting here? Like you said, this mind frame of, or this mindset that I'm going to do this kind of work. And then all of a sudden this time comes, it feels like a flexibility issue, which we know and we've covered in here is not my greatest. Well, but also let's think about the myelination piece, right? So in a day, of you seeing patients, you're used to a certain kind of cue behavior end or reward, right? The cue is, I don't know, they walk in the door and they sit down, mm-hmm. right? And then mm-hmm. you, you kind of go through the plan of attack. It would seem then that this is like a new experience that needs a new cue behavior reward segment. Yeah. So like, would there be something where you could create like a little if then statement in your head. Like if somebody cancels, then I drive to a coffee shop and I do like, or some kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Because I think the problem is that your, our brains are all built on these like subroutines. Totally. And you know, I, I tell people all the time about this habit I have for like, if I want to write or work deeply, it's oftentimes going somewhere else. But what that means is, I almost cannot work at home now. Mm-hmm. It just it is almost impossible. But in a lot of ways, I see that as a positive because I have segmented this out. And so right. home is now a place for relaxation. For, yes. Or if I'm going to be on my computer, it's like I'm shopping for shoes or something. I'm not trying to do work. If I were to need to crank up a working routine, it would be like, well, I have to figure out some new set of which is frustrating because you're like, I wish I could just flip the switch, right? I like that though. I and it it goes to this, I think, deeper philosophical question of how much agency do we have mm-hmm. over 
our tasks or our behavior and how much we are really tied to behavioral cues and triggers that at such a subliminal level gets us going and how is that good most of the time all of the time is there some positive to being able to switch back and forth in that mindset and say internally I'm now going to do this without having these cues but I like the cue the if then statement because it goes back to that scaffolding idea and it takes that onus off of us of having to generate that on our own when you're right it's just really tough for our brains right especially when you're already in the midst of a tiring day and you're like, well, now I have to generate this new, I think yes, that's what it is, Yes, is that it's, if you, like you're saying, if you have to build that scaffolding anew each time, that's so much cognitive work. You're right. Right. You're right. So then that's where, that's what feels difficult about it, right? It's not the task. You, If you were like, whatever, I need to update my website or something, mm-hmm. that's not going to be that hard really. But the job of switching over to that mindset is hard. Yes. Right. Totally. And it makes me think of when I counsel people on tasks, certain tasks that are perpetually difficult. They they typically tend to be like writing or more of an open-ended, less structured activity. We all know what it takes time, behavior, step sequencing to unload the dishwasher, to do these finite tasks, which our brain loves, Mm -hmm. many of us, if they're peppered into the day, if they're not our entire day. But part of helping people, and I'm sure you run into this all the time, and that's what this whole process is about, with these more amorphous tasks, is amorphous the right word? Ambiguous tasks, is to, again, build that scaffolding in there. So mm-hmm. it's not, I'm going to sit down and write for three hours, but I am going to have this goal of, you know, two or three things, two or three topics I want to cover. And again, making it much more doable. I was reading something annoyingly in the short-lived subscription I had to the Harvard Business Review. The writing in that magazine is so bad. It is? It's, oh my God. Because they just always like get like Joe Expert who doesn't know how to write, but is just like, well, this guy knows what he's talking about and uh, so About boring. their content area, but from a writing perspective? It's just really? unreadable. Um, I think it's one of those magazines that just sits on coffee tables to look impressive. But anyway, so I had to subscribe to it because I was like, well, I should be a smart guy who subscribes to this. And I did read this one piece that I found. Can I ask you found. one question about that? Yeah. So, can, so when the writing is so bad, is it that distracting to you that it doesn't matter what the content is? It's really hard to... I just don't... I honestly don't trust people who can't write well. Interesting. Like if you can't, it it feels like an advertisement when it's poorly written. An advertisement for, for your critical concept. thinking. <laughs> well, it's it's an it's an advertisement for their concept, which is always like now everything's different, and here's the future of this, and you're like, well, I don't okay, know. okay. Anyway, so yes, the, anyway. this piece was about how eighty years ago, let's say. Everything was, most jobs were process-based. So that means that you uh, were working on the farm or you're working in an assembly line or you're at a, I don't know, a tanner, tanning mill or something. And you knew pretty clearly, like, this is what I do. This is my process every day. I come in and I uh, put the lug nuts on the wheel, whatever, right? Well, the entire economy has shifted to being project-based, right? 
which means these amorphous tasks that you're talking about, right? These carryover to-do lists that we all have. The problem is we, we love processes just from a, as we talked about, just from a mindset. So you actually have to build processes in order to accomplish projects. And we have not been trained most of us, how to do that, how to do that. Yeah. Because in school, it's all sort of here, here's what you're going to do today. You're going to do these 50 math problems and that's the end of it. Yeah. It's not, you need to develop a new math theorem. Now go and do that on your own. Like that would be a project for which you need a process. Unless you're Matt Damon and Goodwill. Hunting. <laughs> right. Right. So I think that Such a we're, good point. we're like, we're kind of all, not all, but a lot of people are faced with this, right? Mm-hmm. That they have these huge projects and they're not taught process-based thinking, right? None of us are because it's new right. to us, at least in the last, it's new since industrial revolution times. Right. And I think there's even been a shift since when you and I were in school where, again, so much of it was, here's what you do, memorization. Mm-hmm. And I was reading an article the other day on how ADHD, for example, in particular for girls and women, it seems much later diagnosed often because if you had the capacity to memorize well, you could pretty much get through school really, really well, unscathed, because so much of the content was was presented that way as well. So finite, structured, if then mm-hmm. statements, and here's what you have to do to memorize and memorize even the process. So even if it's a systematic way of attacking a problem or writing a certain paragraph in a certain style, you could memorize the rules. But it is this this bigger project that we have to place that systematic thinking on. And I wonder if it really is harder or it's just exactly something we haven't done a lot of. Yeah. It does seem like it's a bigger cognitive effort, right? Because you're, you know, one of the things I talk about with writing and why I love writing is because it's so hard that you can never master it. <laughs> like it's, it's mm-hmm. infinitely challenging. There's no way to like write the perfect novel or something, but I, I think that's now true for project management, right? Like if you are, um, throwing an event in Las Vegas in nine months, you're like, Jesus, this like, there's so many ways this could go. Right. So how do I even start? Right now they tried when, when I remember like when they were like, hey, here's how to write a research paper. And they'd be like, okay, first you make the note cards and then you do the da 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 da. Well, that was like the example of a big project for which you needed to build processes, but they didn't really know how to communicate that. Correct. Right. And now it seems like almost everything is this is more project based. And that's where we're all kind of stuck. And so that's where you were running into like, well, shit, I've got an extra hour. But how do I how do I f- get into that mindset of switching gears back to And not only that that struck something for me not only in how you approach these tasks but then how you evaluate your performance which I think adds on to the procrastination aspect of them it's harder to even get started and to understand how to attack it but then this perfectionism comes in because there's not this hmm. 
obvious right or wrong answer. And mm. we hate that. Yeah. So that we cannot let go of this. There's a way to do this in the best possible way. I think why so many people struggle with writing, even though you have a sense of how to do it or you've done it before, it's infinite, infinite possibilities and that sense that... Mm-hmm. Is it really done? Is it really ready? Is it really good enough? So you're adding that cognitive, evaluative piece on top as well, which can be really paralyzing. Which may be why social media is so addictive. It gives you an end, right? If you post a picture, you're like, well, at least that was that's done. Yes. Right? And now I can see, did I do well? Yes. It's like grading. It's grading. Yeah. Yes. Whereas, yes. Whereas when you are like, well, I spent 30 minutes on uh, writing out a plan for this event, this mythical event that I've created in Las Vegas in six months, there's no end. You know, you could show it to somebody and they'll be like, I don't know. Great. Right. <laughs> like, there's, there's, when's the, you could literally work on the- it all the time as well and mm. not get every aspect of it covered or to the point where you think right. it is at that end point and never even really knowing that. So what comes to mind when it, when thinking about a subroutine for if a patient cancels, then I do? Yeah, so I think it makes sense to add that, even if it's just five minutes in the day, in my morning, I do my morning planning um, first thing, and just adding that contingency there. Mm. So doesn't matter what time it is, but if I have this extra time, this is the one task I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to start, mm. how I'm going to start it. Mm-hmm. So if it's writing a, you know, a neuropsych report, I'm going to start with doing the scoring or I'm going to start with doing the data table or something finite to help me get into it. I love that. Okay. Into it. Yeah. So it's almost like the part of the day planning is carving out contingency planning Yeah. ahead of time. That's smart. I like that. Okay. All right. Um, my my loss is that I have spent the past three years in a state of white knuckling it <laughs> through the first year of that of those three years was uh, the business in LA going well, but also we were like, oh God, are we going to run out of money? But yes, this is starting to work. And then COVID hit and we had to like reframe it while in the meantime, starting this other business, which is the process now. So it has been a, a long three years, not long in a, it's just been stressful. Yeah. And Um, that chronic insidious. Yeah. Omnipresent stress. Right. And so. Uh, a few weeks ago, we got some really good financial news and a giant weight was kind of lifted off of my shoulder, which was wonderful. Yes. And it's also true that we're kind of getting back to being able to do some of the things that uh, allow me to de-stress, right? Like going to the gym or going to concerts or meeting new people, whatever these things are. However, I have noticed that- Meeting new people is a de-stress for you? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Not Are you for an you? alien? <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. So, but as a part of this, as the anxiety piece lifted, right? We would say stress plus your personal experience equals anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hit with pretty good depression, actually, hmm. of just like kind of this almost 
it feels very natural, like kind of just like this feeling of like, I've been so kind of fight or flight for so long that when that went away, while I was happy about that stress going away, it was, it was a lot like my body was saying like, all right, but now we got to deal with some of all of that stress that you've been managing for three years. And it's still cycling at a physiological level, but it's not attached to. Yeah. There's almost this, um, uh, like anything that anything good that happens right now, I'm like, but what's the bad thing going to be that comes up with that there? It's, it's a, it's almost like a trauma response or something. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, It's that wiring of when's the other shoe going to drop. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been really, so that's the loss is just that even though the stressors are largely not gone, but like one of the, a couple of the big ones are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, there is still that sense of, but you're not okay. Interesting. Paul. Yeah. It's that, it's that lens or that schema that has been such a part of your. Right. It's just, yeah, it's almost like a buddy. <laughs> My yes. little, that little buddy you take to the bar that tells you what buddy. you're doing wrong and what's going to happen if you have that other beer or if mm-hmm. you try to ski on the back of a car like we just saw the other day <laughs> in the campus of DU. Yeah, it's very interesting. And it, it also... I'm going to share a story about a client. I think it's okay. Obviously, I won't give any identifiable information, but it reminds me of this. So he, um, similar, has lots of stressors in his life, but is also training to do uh, this boxing match. It's not uh, always been in great shape, but not done boxing per se. So he's learning that. But the part of the training is the sense of looking for the threat. So you're constantly trying to read the environment in this case and your opponent, uh, what, when's the next punch coming, how to read that body language, how to constantly be prepared for the punch. And it's very similar to this. And it taps back into, again, what we're hardwired for, survival, not for happiness, <laughs> survival. Mm-hmm. So really good at threat detection and threat response. And when we get into that habit, it's really hard to not generalize that to personal relationships or to work or to, again, when's the next shoe going to drop? It helps us. It's been really functional for us, again, as a species to be prepared, but really not helpful from a mental health perspective. Yeah. And also not helpful given the number of um, outlets for potential threats. Right? Oh, so I think an we, if we look back into, uh, I'm reading this book right now called uh, civilized to death, which is fantastic by this guy, Christopher Ryan, uh, talking about how, uh, we tend to think that there's this like Thomas Hobbes quote about how life was, um, short and brutish back in the whatever caveman times. Mm -hmm. But as we examine those lives, they actually didn't work very much. There was a lot of relaxation. The threats were big, right? Like, you know, you might fall off a cliff if you lose your vision, right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. different from now. But that people were probably a lot more steady state when it came to just mental and psychological stuff. And I think that's one of the issues that we're all dealing with is like the threats could come from Twitter or email or your phone or out on the street or whatever, right? Like 
those things are all now there. Whereas mm-hmm. in that time, the threat was just like enemy tribe or vicious animal or cliff. Yes, <laughs> obvious, story. external, big time. Right. And again, because we've had that wiring, it doesn't go away. And because those threats aren't so big and external in most of our lives, thankfully, anymore, it we find it in all of these outlets. We also manufacture it cognitively. The mm-hmm. what ifs, the worst right. case scenarios. Yeah. The, uh, the other day, um, we run the process online, largely on Discord. And... On the same day, Spotify and Discord both went down for like an hour and a half. Oh my gosh. Right. So, like, that's one thing that I obviously can't control. And I've mostly come to terms with those kinds of things, but they're so, um, what's the right word? They're so sneaky, right? Like, you, it's not a thing where, you know, if you, if you woke up and your roof fell on you, there, there'd probably be some warning because you could take some steps to like look around your, house and be Mm -hmm. like well is my roof looking okay (laughs) it's pretty rare that it would just like fall on you right but there's a lot of things now because everything's so interconnected and also weirdly fragile um it it seems like we're we could always be dodging something so figuring out ways to cope with that i Mm -hmm. think um and knowing that like something weird's gonna happen all the time. All the time. And that's just how it is. And what's interesting to me is what you alluded to a little bit is that even though it is a state of anxiety and certainly not relaxation and zen and, and pure joyfulness, it it feels comfortable because we get so used to it. It does feel like that friend. And when it's not there, because it is motivating, anxiety, stress, fear, very motivating, mm-hmm. chronically, not really a great way to sustain. We can find other ways to motivate. But it's almost like your your buddy. It's there. I know how to deal with it, even mm-hmm. though it's not really comfortable. So how do I find that motivation or how do I find that drive without that stress and anxiety, which we know causes long-term health effects, mental effects? Mm-hmm. And part of, I think, dealing with the when is the other shoe going to drop? What's going to happen? When's the sky going to fall in? When's my ceiling going to fall down? When's a car going to come through the window when I'm at my building at work? (laughs) Didn't that happen to you? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Is what we do with all of these beliefs, challenge, challenge, challenge. So Spotify, Discord went down. Mm -hmm. How am I better off? Right. How how, how will this serve me right now? Right. We learned contingencies we also become aware that uh it doesn't really affect that many people yes right? love it so thinking about for our these deep work sessions that we run realistically there are probably only four or five people actually doing that session right then right so mm-hmm. it doesn't affect the entire membership even though it seems like it does right interesting uh, yep it's sort of like if there was a time a couple of weeks ago here in our physical space where the water was off on a day and I was like, how awful is that? Like the toilets aren't going to be working. (laughs) But then if you think about it, you're like, well, how many people are we actually going to have in here today that also are desperately going to need to go to the bathroom? If we don't warn them ahead of time, like they would freak out. Well, not that many really. Clearly that was not a podcast day. (laughs) Made me instantly panicked. And it's not even that I I do have to go all the time, but it's more of that threat of if I cannot. It's like when I'm on the plane, instantly, Mm -hmm. it's, I have to go. I have to go all the time. I'm, what, you know, the timing of the seatbelt, it's a huge source of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I didn't listen to anything else you said after that. I think it's also, 
it's this constant training or or learning that we are more adaptable than we realize. Correct. Right? Like that most of the time we are able to figure it out. Yes. Uh, and I, I, I just wonder, where's that signaling coming from that makes us think we are not going to be able to figure it out? Even though we have all this evidence mm-hmm. that we've figured it out before. Is that just that wiring? I think it's that wiring because because at the core, if we don't figure it out, we don't survive. Again, mm-hmm. at least particularly back in the day. So mm-hmm. that's always hanging over our heads. Mm-hmm. And again, I think so much of it now is that manufacture those systems in our brain have to have something to do. <laughs> so it does feel like okay, I've got to put them to use, but it's also it's it's habit forming. Those circuits are 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 myelinated in right. many ways, and that's that's the thing I think that I worry about a little bit is like, if you, you can get so addicted to that cycle of stress and anxiety, and that's how you end up as a workaholic or other maladaptive coping mechanisms. So, right. And I think a lot of people aren't, you get caught by surprise, like you pointed out when that's lifted, Mm -hmm. that almost negative reaction you described it as depression it's 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 this what what do i do now at least i knew what to do when i had that sensation when i had those cognitions all of the time mm-hmm. and being caught off guard by the removal of that and the impact of that i actually would liken it to when people retire and then they realize yes. like i've said for so long that when i retire i will be able to relax and then they retire and they're like uh oh mm-hmm. Yeah. There's oh, this. <laughs> I have all this time now. I yeah. don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I think the the key is a being able to identify and articulate what what these fears, what these chronic anxiety points are, what we're catastrophizing about. You were able to do that really well. Oftentimes it's, again, amorphous. That's our word of the day. This dread that's hanging over our heads. So, for example, if Discord and what was the other thing? Well, Spotify. Spotify go down. what What are my specific fears and dreads? So, it's not holding all of this power over us because then that also gives us the the capacity to really test that and examine that and identify that. How am I better off? How is this not? I'm more adaptable. And it's not about just spinning it to feel better, but it is about feeling better because when we see the adaptability, when we have to, this is how we rewire around, we detour around those really direct trigger threat response Mm-hmm. myelinated, very well myelinated pathways too. Let me look at this in a different way. And when I am not anxious, when I am not dreading or panicked, wow, my frontal lobe kicks in and I can be creative and resourceful and I'm connected and I'm not wanting to avoid mm-hmm. escape even mentally the present situation. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. <laughs> All right, let's get into some, uh, we got some wins and losses from our members. Yay. Um, Richie says uh, a win was getting to the last chapters of his work in progress. I keep telling my friends who have been waiting for this story that I'll have it done by the end of the school semester. I tend to get anxiety when it comes to deadlines I set for myself because my mind goes, if I don't get it done by that date, then everything will fail. Everything will fail. Which sounds similar to what we were talking about. There's a belief. But this deadline I can see myself achieving, plus it allows wiggle room for finals. Speaking of which, a loss. Recently, I had a few tests and I didn't do too well. Still passing grades. It really sucked because my past tests said that I know the stuff I'm learning. So it was a bit of a shock to see that lower grades this time. But I suppose that's another thing to work on. Hmm. I, I feel like grades are interesting in this regard of like wins or losses because that's like a, a 
judgment on this one thing, it's not really a judgment of your ability to build processes that we're just talking about. Correct. <laughs> That's exactly where my mind went. But so, it's hard because from moment one, we're being graded, being evaluated in school. It's really mm-hmm. difficult. It's, it's similar to if you um, attach all of your self-worth as an athlete to one particular game, it would be a recipe for disaster, right? That's why it, we have seasons with lots of games, right? Because right. it wouldn't be much fun to just, that, that's why like, you know, talking about boxing, those sports where there are very few chances to prove it seem the Olympics terrifying to me. Our friend Michaela, right? right? I mean, all of that effort and training for mm-hmm. a very few measurable outcomes right that's yeah that that could lead you to drink yeah fast (laughs) it's not surprising to me that all these lovely athletes are really at least coming out and i'm happy about that about the Mm -hmm. struggle because it's such an artificial insane Mm -hmm. yeah and i I do think like if you're a a baseball player and you've got 162 games and it's day after day after day it's a lot easier to wake up the next day and be like well i got another chance got another chance Mm -hmm. but like we're saying if you're a downhill skier that's a different Yikes. situation. It so, becomes like finals. I would say to Richie, mm. again, look, getting getting past the grades situation, how, even if it has been balancing more of this process while I'm studying, how am I better off? How are mm-hmm. things still okay? What is What am I making this mean, this grade? This past test means I don't know this stuff as well. Is that true? Maybe I didn't explain it as well, or maybe I know it. It was just a more difficult um, mm-hmm. way to try to show it. Yeah, that's so hard thinking back to how much in college, like, finals meant. I know. Ugh. I know. It just seemed like... Do, but they don't. They don't. Nobody cares anymore right. about your college education. Such a great message. <laughs> I mean, there's this kid down the... Richie just drop out. This kid down the hall that is running a company that I didn't know how old he was, and then... The other day, he's like, well, yeah, I'm going down to Savannah for St. Patrick's Day because they have a huge celebration. Um, and now I am I look old enough to drink. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and he's in 20, business? And he's running a business. Oh, my gosh. So, like, it's just a it's just a different world. By the way, did you know there's a thing called fake Patty's Day? No. I love having these young <laughs> clients. I'm my, like, my finger is still so on the pulse of what's <laughs> happening. Yes, because apparently most colleges smartly have been uh, arranging spring break outside of St. Patrick's Day so they don't have to be oh. accountable or responsible for the typical St. Patrick's Day revelry. Ah. And so college campuses have fake Patty's Day mm. ahead of time. So we're not missing any opportunity to get blotto. <laughs> Adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Sophie says, uh, my loss came out of a win and turned into a win. After being Yay. so good for two years, I decided it was time to celebrate Carnival once again. It was so much fun and everything felt just a little bit like pre-pandemic times. Definite win, but I contracted COVID, which was the loss. There's a massive possible big win coming, however, out of being in isolation and being a little sick. I've been injured and can't run for five weeks now. Maybe, just maybe, my knee has finally gotten the rest it needed, and I might actually go for a 20-minute, I don't know what that means, one-minute running, one-minute walking run again. Uh, I might actually be able to build this back up. So, (laughs) finding a win. How am I better off? Yeah. Well done. Well done, Sophie. Finding. Sophie. And I'm so glad she had that time out. Yeah. We need that. Both the recovery, but also in Carnival. Yeah, totally. 
Okay, now we have a question from uh, one of our newest members, Gabriel. Uh, he wonders, he's a writer. He often gets distracted by creative ideas unrelated to the work that he needs to be doing at the moment. Other stories or art projects, it's very hard, quote, not to get sucked into them. Sort of a don't think of a pink elephant conundrum. Tips, question mark. What comes to mind? Uh, I would say I have my little note app on my phone that I jot down just really quick mm. ideas there that don't seem to be too derailing, but something so you have that outlet so it's not feeling like it's stuck in there and your brain just has to keep ruminating on it, mm. even if it's just a really quick, I don't know, bullet point. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I don't know. That's hard. Again, well, it gets back to that flexibility piece of being able to sustain attention, but you don't want to lose the idea. And I think that's part of why we hold on to it is that fear that I won't remember it. Mm-hmm. I think I don't I don't know like at what point in his writing journey Gabriel is, but I noticed that this was a bigger problem for me when I was younger um, in that. And I would also want to write or ape people that I admired. So I wanted to write. I I remember a phase where I was like, I want to write like Chuck Palahniuk. Um, but I don't really write it that way. That's not me. But, and so wise people also say that like when you're starting that sometimes you have to lean into imitating other people mm-hmm. uh, and just like try to write like Stephen King or try to write like uh, Brett Easton Ellis or try to write like Cormac Wasn't McCarthy. Wasn't he a backup center for the Celtics? <laughs> Brett Easton Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. Um, You're just shying off with all your author knowledge now. <laughs> or are those people I should know? Well, he wrote American Psycho. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and he has a very distinct know. style okay. uh, that's different than, well, whatever. Um, I, I do think that like as you get further and further into it, you start to get less distracted because you're like, I just, I have so many things that I need to do within the context of what I want to do that there's not, I'm not going to veer off Mm -hmm. as much, I would say. So your tip is to just get older. (laughs) Correct. Just have (laughs) faith that time is going to, well, because I I do think like, you know, I'm never, I'm just not going to be a um, visual artist. Mm-hmm. That's just not an option at this point. And I think as you age, you start to hone, like, this is where I'm going to put my attention because it's best served there. Got it. Do you see what I, I mean? I do. So there will be more focus when that becomes clear. Yeah. And that, like, sometimes if you're in a mode where you've got lots of different ideas that you just have to, like, immerse yourself in that chaos for a while. Yeah. I'm so old and it still happens to me. Oh, right. And again, so I'm saying that note situation, but then here's the issue with that is that I look at my note folder and it just reminds me of that, you know, a a beautiful mind scene. I don't know how I'm ever going to get any kind of control over that, Mm. but it is for me, it's this repository of places where this is a great idea. It's, it may never come back, but I want to hold on to it, Mm -hmm. but that's going to take a lot of time to sift through. So Mm. I don't know. I don't have any good advice for Gabriel. I think it's great that he has all this creativity. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I do think that sometimes it could also be surrounding yourself with other people who are in those modes, mm-hmm. right? Um, and monkeying with those ideas if you do have the time. Right. Um, I know that – like, yeah, I you can remember back in the old like flip collective days <laughs> – 
Yes. That I had, I had time to like run effectively an e-magazine, right? Mm-hmm. I would not have time for have that to now. to do that now. Right? Yeah. Like, so that was a, a time in my life when that was an option. So it could be, Gabriel, that you actually are not necessarily distracted. You may actually just have more capacity than you realize. No question. And so- explore those things yeah. and see where they take you. So get them, get them out in some form. So they're not that pink elephant existing in your brain, distracting mm-hmm. you and, and you're ruminating on that while you're doing other work. And then maybe what we came, what we started with, we're coming full circle schedule. That's his contingency time. He's going to schedule mm. end of the day, midday. I'm going to have, you know, 20 minutes to go over these when I have more time or when I can talk to other people about it. Yeah, actually, you're leading, more intentional you're about leading it. us to a, a good spot, which is also when it comes to, I, I'm thinking about my own tendency to get distracted. I don't think I get as distracted as I used to because of the bucketing of time that I do. Mm-hmm. So like today I had in my schedule like 20 minutes of planning, right? Now that planning could have just bleeped into my week, but if I know that, there's going to be a time for 20 minutes of planning. I'm less likely to have that pink elephant right, thought. That right. Bleed. You like have this sort of bucket ready <laughs> for the bleeding, <laughs> the pink elephant to bleed into. We're going to bleed the elephant <laughs> into God. the bucket. No, but I, it is I, so you're training your brain. Yeah, it's training again, your brain training to, your to be brain. able to say like, well, we're not going to have that thought now or we're, we are going to observe that it's happening but we're not going to engage with it. We're going to save that for later, which like I honestly have had to do with writing a lot. You know, there's that thought that, yes. oh my God, this is the best idea. I can't let this go. I, I used to work that way. And now I realize like mm, none of them are that good at ideas. Mm-hmm. And they'll come back are if that they're bad. that great. Yeah, if they're good, yes. it'll be there tomorrow. I think that's, that's I've learned that as well, which yeah. is so helpful. And then you don't hang on to it. I used to do that. I used to hang on to it and ruminate all, all if I hadn't, if I didn't have an outlet mm-hmm. and then I got, now I have my outlets, but it's a beautiful mind. But I do also notice that it's that letting go of, Mm-hmm. You're going to have another one. You're going to have a better one. You're going to have a different one. This one may come up again. Right. So you don't have to have that. You don't have to wear your brain, a brain maxi pad throughout the day because <laughs> right. of the bleeding. Well, it almost, Jeez, like, what's interesting is that if you give yourself that brain maxi pad, <laughs> then often, Why do I know that's how, what Rich is going to title this episode? Oftentimes you end up not needing it. Right. It's just the act of having it is helpful. Right. And you can wear your white pants all day. <laughs> All right, let's finish up with uh, a little report on some of our uh, some of our members and what they're up to. We have some streaks going. Uh, some people who've got at least one in a day, one in a day. Nope, at least one day in a row. Genevieve and Tatamar and Emmy LP and Charlie Abara. Some people on the two to four. Hey Meg Hughes. I she's one of my staff, so oh. I. <laughs> After off, Yay, sorry. Meg. Good job, I, Meg. Yes, she uh, counts. There's no way Meg listens to the podcast though, because she's doing all of the other things. Okay, uh, two to four days in a row. Joy Reggiano, Bubonic, Batsbuhan, <laughs> Nick Mann, IVL, and Gabriel Newstad, the aforementioned Gabriel. At least five days. Gumbo, Ellen, Sophie Herbergs, and then we get into the people with more than thirty days in a row. Milagrosa M, Adrian Valencia, Valenza, sorry. Uh, and then the four at the top with a convenient 69 days in a row, Jeez. HP Wood, Richie, Kayla, and Catherine. 
a few newbies, people who've done their first sessions. Rich B, that's our that's our podcast producer, Rich B. He's he's on the nice in the co-working scene. Charlie Abara, Toki Elizabeth, Denase, Zia, IVL, Gabriel Newstead. Some people who got to builder status, which is at least 10 sessions. Shelby Box, Charlie Ibarra also, Brett Trainer, Zia again, IVL again, and somebody who's gotten to, no, two people who have 50, Lex Stenson and Milagrosa M, and our newest process wizard. That means that somebody's done 500 Jeez, sessions. Sophie. Sophie Herbergs of and the- And having uh, time to go to Carnival yeah, and have COVID. Yeah, went to Carnival, had COVID, training, and- And a new process wizard. 500 That's sessions. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Well done. Uh, Katie, any, um, I don't know, resolutions for between now and when we next talk? Yes, I'm scheduling my contingencies. Okay, scheduling contingencies. Yeah, how about you? Great. Um, for me, it is, yeah, you mentioned the rewiring of, of positive, uh, like, activities. So getting, I went to a concert last weekend that was great. Not because the band was spectacular, but it was more, it was sort of spur of the moment and easy to do and fun. And I was like, Oh God, yeah, this is what life is about. Nice. So rewiring some of those experiences, experience, yeah. experiential connections. Awesome. Great. We'll see you next week. Hey friends, Paul here. I really appreciate you listening. The executive producer of the process podcast is rich burner. Music came to us courtesy of Kevin McLeod at incompetech.filmmusic.io. I'll talk to you again soon.